Well, this afternoon at the 2.30 service, we're continuing our series about transforming our internal thought life. You know, I believe so many of the challenges, the problems, and uh, situations that we face in life will be uh, averted oftentimes if we can but allow our thinking to change, our perceptions to be altered, our position as far as what we have in our minds to, to be radically altered. And I believe just by simply having that, that shift, that change, just by simply having that, uh, that in, it, in and of itself without any uh, ministry, counsel, prayer, deliverance, or whatever else you might think might you know, add to bring you to a place of, of freedom and liberty in Christ, just by having that, that simply can bring about a tremendous change in uh, our lives. Last week, uh, Gabriel was speaking about uh, how we perceive ourselves, and he was uh, speaking about uh, how a man thinks. And the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Very strong words. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As uh, Colin would oftentimes say, we need to change our stinking thinking. And in light of this, uh, today we want to continue um, uh, on this uh, uh, topic of transforming our internal thought life by looking at the subject, perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. I want to start uh, with a story. And uh, uh, it's a story I uh, came across. And um, it's uh, a story about uh, a lady called Jane. And uh, she was uh, uh, about to get married. And so Jane had a friend called Jemima. Now, as uh, these uh, things tend to happen, Jemima thought, well, you know, Jane's getting married. I should, you know, send her a word of encouragement to uh, the happy couple to encourage them um, uh, as they start their journey together as husband and wife. And so uh, she decided to send a text message um, uh, as we do these days. And so she, she thought of, of the verse from First uh, um, John chapter 4 and verse 18. First John chapter 4 and verse 18. Now, First John chapter 4 and verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. But text messages being what they are, unfortunately, she failed to put the one in front of the John to make it 1 John 4.18. Instead, when she sent the text, all she had in the text, what I want, you to, want to encourage you with this verse from John 4 and verse 18. And this is what John 4.18 reads. So Jemima got the text, went to John 4.18, and this is what John 4.18 said. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now... <laughs> It's not your husband. <laughs> Just one made such a difference, isn't it? Well, our text for today is from First John um, chapter 4. I want to read a, a couple of verses there from uh, that passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, and we will read together from uh, the book of First John. Not from John. Okay, First John uh, chapter 4, and uh, we'll pick it up from verse 12. It says, No one has seen God at any time. 
if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love. Somebody say, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. You see, you may be worried about many things in your life. You might be worried, sick about things from your past, things regarding your future. You might be worried about your finances, what people think about you. And you might struggle to maybe sometimes even just get your mind off your problems. You see, we do not have to fear that God doesn't love us or that he wouldn't come through for us in our time of need. We need to learn to accept the reality of his love. We need to learn to accept the reality of God's law. Because when we do that, our fears will not control us. Our fears will not influence us. Our fears will not allow situations and circumstances to dictate to us whether or not we are loved and accepted by God. The verse we read in uh, John 4, 18, 1 John 4, 18 says that perfect love casts out fear. So if you're afraid today of maybe facing a person or situation in your life, I want to say to you that God's love can help to put your fears to rest, to change your thinking. The understanding of God's love concerning you will help to put your fears to rest and literally change your thinking and therefore change your life. I believe that if we can change our thinking, we can change our life. And so this first is a promise. It promises that perfect love will rid us of anxieties. We need a, a casting away of this fear. The thing is, it is normal for us as human beings to fear. It is something that has been built into us. Fear sometimes helps to protect us in the natural sense. You know, God has built that wiring into our lives so that we are able to avert ourselves from danger, from things that will deliberately or, or, or cause us harm or danger. And so, uh, for example, if you uh, were walking across the road and someone is speeding down with a car, fear will cause you to jump out of the way because you don't want that car to hit you. Fear is there to help 
to protect us in some sense. And so in one sense, fear can neither be helpful or harmful, but it can become destructive to your well-being and to your good when it is groundless and produces needless worry and unrest. Proverbs 9 and verse 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And in Proverbs 3 and verse 7, it goes on to say, do not be wise in your own ears, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It has been said that there are uh, 365 fear nots uh, in, the, in the scriptures. Uh, I, I haven't counted them, so I can tell you that I've personally checked and I've counted every fear not in the scriptures, and there are 365. I don't know if there are 365 fear nots in the Bible. But one thing that I do know is that the Bible oftentimes says fear not. Fear not. Now, if the Bible is saying to you and me, fear not, that is because we have a propensity to fear in the wrong way. To fear when we are not needed to fear, to allow ourselves to, to have concern and dread and, 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 and anxiety when there is no need to have that in our lives. And so there's this assurance that comes from us not to fear. Sometimes because of how maybe you and I have grown up with uh, uh, in our lives being shaped to believe that it is all about performance. It is all about performance. So uh, we think uh, sometimes uh, maybe uh, uh, children oftentimes will uh, uh, revert to this that if I do good, um, as uh, uh, last, last year my uh, son on Christmas Eve decided to write uh, a letter to, to Santa. Santa. And, um, and so he wrote the letter and he, he put it on, on his bedroom door on Christmas Eve. And I came home after the service here on Christmas Eve and I, I saw this letter on his bedroom door, you know, and, you know, dear Santa and, you know, all the rest and so forth. And, you know, I've been a good boy. And so I, you know, expect that, you know, because I've been a good boy, therefore, uh, the things that, you know, I'd want, you'd, you'd bring them to me. And obviously on uh, Christmas morning, he woke up and, you know, Santa had showed up. And, um, and uh, he had this sense that, well, because I had been good, and so Santa had showed up to reward me for being good. And sometimes without realizing, we can carry this same thinking throughout our lives that, you know, God rewards us when we are good. And when we are not so good, God doesn't reward us. And so the fear that we carry is that, well, hang on a second, I can't be good all the time. There are times when I'm not going to be as good as I think I should be. That time when maybe I lost my temper or that time when maybe I didn't speak a, an encouraging word when I should have or I've done something that I know I shouldn't have. And there is this concern, well, I'm not so good, therefore, am I going to be rewarded? And so this scripture is really about encouraging us. Because when we begin to see things in our lives that, you know, maybe are not going right, we begin to think, well, has God or is God withholding for me? You know, we pray for healing and it doesn't come. 
We ask for God's power for a situation. We pray for maybe a financial breakthrough. Seemingly it doesn't come. And we begin to think, well, the reason why God is not showing up in this situation, in this circumstance, in my life, in the way I expect, is because I've done something for him to withhold his hand for me. You know, I love the scripture in Romans chapter 8, and that was a song that we were singing uh, just before I came to the platform to begin uh, to share with us. And it says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that passage is such a wonderful passage because the writer makes sure that he covers all the bases. Because I am sure if somebody comes to you and says nothing can separate you from the love of God, you're going to say, okay, well, let me think. Um, yeah, that might not separate that much. But what about this thing? And what about that thing? And what, what about that thing? Are you sure that that won't separate me from God's love? That's not going to keep me away from God's love? Well, let's, let's read some of the things that he highlights here in Romans chapter 8. It says in verse 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded... And you may want to underline this in your Bible. Because the first thing that he says is neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. And uh, in case you're wondering, your next door neighbor who's sitting right next to you in the service, is that any other created thing? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? The person who sat next to you, this is what the scripture means when it says, nor any other created thing. So in other words, anybody else, any humankind shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you know, you read this passage and all of a sudden you begin to think to yourself, well, actually, nothing, just as the song says, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Nothing, nothing, nothing at all can separate me from the love of God, which is mine through Christ Jesus, my Lord. That forgiveness has come to me and because God's forgiveness has come to me through his love that even whilst I was a sinner the Bible says that Jesus Christ died for me on the cross of Calvary that nothing can separate me from this love and so don't put yourself through the mill by saying well if I had more faith or if I could just overcome this weakness or if I could just get past this hurt, or if I could just stop sinning, then, and only then, will I be in a position for God's love to be right towards me. You see, fear excludes, but God's love includes. So what do we mean by perfect love? Because it says perfect love casts off Fear, perfect love, casts off fear. Let's look 
are the translation of those verses. It says, there is no fear. There is no fear in love. Now, the word that is translated fear is the word phobos, from which we get phobias. I was reading an article um, where it says that children are born with two natural fears. Two natural fears. Every child is born with two natural fears. What are those fears? Fear of falling and fear of loud noise. Babies have those two natural fears. However, a study was conducted on fears on about a thousand people. They did a, uh, an empirical study and gathered the data and found that, that across the board on those 1,000 people, they found over 7,000 different fears. 7,000 different fears. And uh, as we saw in that word that's translated fear, it's the word phobos, which we get phobia and all sorts of phobia that we know all the kind of connotations of phobias that people might have. 7,000 different fears. And we were born with two. So over the course of our lives, we generate Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fears. You see, fear comes from the root of sin. Because when we go back all the way to the Garden of Eden, after Adam had disobeyed God, and God came to Adam to inquire where he was, and Adam's response uh, recently had a, a comic actually addressing this particular passage. You just remember that. How man failed his first examination. God asked him a geography question, a question of location. He said, Adam... Where are you? And he needed to give his location. I'm in the bushes. Some said, I am naked. So Adam's response as God comes to him was one that was born out of fear. Because he says here, I heard your voice and I was afraid. I was afraid. Sin had entered and fear had come as a result of that sin. I thought to myself as I read this, um, this data about, you know, the people who generated those 7,000 fears. And I thought to myself, well, really it comes down again to this whole perception of thinking. Because oftentimes people who have these phobias through uh, support, encouragement, putting them through training, uh, 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 challenges, and things like that, they're able to, in a natural sense, overcome the phobia. 
And oftentimes, the way that they help people to overcome phobias is to get them to face the very phobia that they have. And so if somebody is afraid of spiders, anyone here afraid of spiders? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> Someone might play a prank on you. We do have some pranksters around. If you're afraid of spiders, what they will do is that they will bring a spider and slowly, first and foremost, they will put the spider in the same room as you, distance away, and get you to be able to become comfortable being in the same vicinity with the spider. And then over a period of time, they will begin to bring that spider closer and closer and closer. And obviously, uh, they don't do this Straight away, over a period of time, maybe over weeks, they begin to bring that spider until ultimately they get to the point where they ask you to open your hands and they put the spider in your hand. And would you believe somebody who started that journey by not being able to even be in the same room with a spider comes to a place where they can allow that spider to come in their hands? And they're able to conquer and overcome that fear. I wonder what would happen to the fear that we have about God's perception of us. What would happen if we were to truly come to a place where we would know his perfect love towards us? Because his perfect love the Bible says in one version, it drives away fear. Now, what is that perfect love? Okay, there's no fear in love. The love in that passage is the word agape. Now, agape is what I will describe as the God kind of love. That love begins and ends in God. It is something that you and I cannot generate unless we are God-enabled to generate it. Agape love is the kind of love that we can only demonstrate, respond to, bring into people's lives because God is working in our lives. And this perfect, which some translations might say this mature love or this love that has come to an end or has come to fulfill its purpose drives out fear. It drives out fear. So how do we embrace the agape love in our lives to come to that place where fear can truly be driven out? And I was thinking about this, and this phrase came to me, kingdom thinking creates kingdom culture. Kingdom thinking creates kingdom culture. In the scripture in the New Testament, in a couple of places, we are described as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We're described as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Now, the thing about an ambassador is that the place where they find themselves in is not their residence. That's not their normal abode. They are from another country. They belong somewhere else. 
they have been sent with an assignment, with a commission. And I want to say to you today as we speak about this whole topic of perfect love driving out fear. I want to say that that fear, perfect love, has a purpose. It's not an end in and of itself. It's wonderful today if you would leave this place and you were to say, oh, you know something, Dudley, I know that I know that I know that I know that God loves me, that there's neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate me from this love. I know that. It would be wonderful. But I want to say it is much more than knowing that you are loved by God. It is much more than knowing that you have been forgiven, that knowing that you don't have any punishment that is due to you. Because as the book of Romans says, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The wages that was due to you and I because of the sin in our lives is and should have been death. But Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, died that cross. The Bible says, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's wonderful to know that I am secure in that love. But it is much more than that. Because you see, the ambassador has an assignment. He comes with a mandate. As a matter of fact, In Great Britain, the protocol is that when an ambassador is sent from another nation to the UK, that ambassador, as a matter of duty, before they actually begin their their, their tenure as an ambassador, they have to go and visit the queen. They have to go and see the queen and to present what's called their credentials, the mandate with which they have been sent from their nation. And then they can go and discharge their duties as an ambassador. You see, that ambassador, let's say, for example, that ambassador comes from Spain. Now, that ambassador's mother tongue would be what? Spanish. He's from Spain. He speaks Spanish. And that will be the expectation. No one would go to that ambassador and say to that ambassador, oh, by the way, can you communicate to us in Mandarin? Why? Because he's not an ambassador from China. No one will come to that ambassador and say, ambassador, can you communicate to us in Yoruba? Because that ambassador is not from Nigeria. No one will go to that ambassador and say to that ambassador, we expect you to speak to us in French because that ambassador is not from France. That ambassador has a language. That ambassador has a culture. He has the kind of foods that come from where he comes from, the kind of ways that they would go about doing things. He comes with a culture about him, and within that ambassadorship that he's been called to come and discharge and and demonstrate and fulfill, he still carries his culture with him. The scriptures speak, the apostle Paul speaks of it in Ephesians and also in Philemon, about you and I being ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador. You have been sent 
with a mandate. This is not your home. I think it was in the, in the men's uh, uh, encounter we had recently. I was sharing with them about, you know, the song um, that, that Sting wrote in the 80s. I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm an alien. I'm a legal alien. I'm an Englishman in New York. I'm in a foreign country, and I feel like an alien. And I was saying to them, in one sense, you know, we are aliens. We don't belong here. There is a different culture, a different thinking that you are meant to have. You are meant to be kingdom-minded people. Now, one of the things that separates us as kingdom-minded people is we have come to a place where we understand that God loves us, period. Nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing, nothing, nothing at all can separate us from that love. However, we have been called to discharge the duties, the tasks, the assignment of an ambassador. You know what an ambassador comes to do when he comes from, say, Spain to Great Britain? He comes to share his culture. He comes to say, this is what my nation is like. And I want you to experience my nation. I want you to experience my culture. I want you to embrace where I come from. And we have been given that same mandate. And that's why I said that it's not going to be sufficient for you to go away today from this place knowing that you are truly loved. That's wonderful. That's great. Knowing that perfect love casts out fear. I don't have to fear punishment because I know that when Jesus died on the cross, he said, the debt has been paid. It is finished. I'm no longer under the cross. I have been set free. I am going to heaven. I don't have to worry about that because I have been saved. I don't have to worry about that. But you see, there is a next step. Somebody say, next step. Perfect love casts out fear. The next step is that because you have known that perfect love and that fear has been dispelled, you can become someone who brings kingdom culture into the lives of others. How can they know if no one goes? How can they hear if no one tells? You and I are the people who will share to those who will never come and read the scriptures where it says perfect love casts out fear. You and I, because we have embraced the truth of that, and it's brought change in our lives. You and I, in our thinking, are able to embrace that truth and therefore allow that to be reflected in our lives. You see, when we know that perfect love drives out fear, there is nothing in your mind that you know that can prevent you from sharing the love of God with others. Because in that passage that we read from first, first John, earlier on in that passage, the apostle John begins to encourage us about what God expects of us. It says, if we love one another, God abides with us and his love has been made perfect in us. And we have seen and 
testify, verse 14, that the Father sent the Son as the Savior of the world. And we have known and believed the love of God for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And so there's this sense that we have to make this love known. We have to make this love known. And the way it becomes perfected in us is understanding that it's not about you. It's not about what you are going to accomplish. The first thing I want to say about perfect love is that perfect love is supplied by God. We can only get this love if God is with us or if we are in God. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. How? That Jesus came and died on the cross. That through his death, everyone might believe. And so, John's simple answer is this. When you are filled with God's perfect love, fear is driven out and you are in a position to make others experience that same love of God. There's a story that says um, several generations ago, during one of the most turbulent uh, desert wars in the Middle East, uh, a spy was captured and he was sentenced to death by a general of the Persian army. The general was a man of intelligence and compassions, and he had adopted a strange and unusual custom in such cases. He permitted the condemned person to make a choice. The prisoner could either face the firing squad, or he had the option to go through the black door. As the moment of execution drew near for the spy, the general ordered him to be brought before him for a short final interview. The primary purpose of which was to receive the answer of the doomed man to the query, what shall it be? The firing squad or the black door? This was not an easy decision and the prisoner hesitated but soon made it known that he much preferred the firing squad to the unknown horrors that might await him behind the ominous and mysterious door. Not long after, a volley of shots announced that the grim sentence had been fulfilled. The general was staring at his boots and he said to his aide, you see how it is with men? They will always prefer the known to the unknown. It is characteristics of people to be afraid of the undefined, yet I gave him his choice. The aide asked, what lies behind the black door? The general replied, freedom. And I've only known a few brave enough to take it. You see, sometimes we default to the known. We default to that which is comfortable. We default to that which makes sense. We default to that position. And if you and I are going to get to the place where we are renewed in our thinking and we are able to actually walk in the fullness of what Jesus Christ has purchased for us on Calvary. You know, I have this imagery that sometimes kind of plays in my mind as I, you know, deal with stuff. I have this imagery of, you know, God kind of being there and kind of like, you know, like, 
that dad in, you know, the, 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 the school sports day saying to his son, come on, son, come on, son, come on, son. Well, I did that, so please allow me. You know, come on, son. No, because he was, come on, son, you can, you can do it. You can get, come on, yes, one, yeah, 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 catch the other one. Yeah, come, 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 yes. You know, I have this imagery of kind of God being there. And we're in this place, and he's saying, come on, son, remember, perfect love. I've paid the price. You don't have to fear. There's no need for you to, come on, son. There's no need for you to worry. There's no need for you to doubt. No, 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 don't go that way. Don't go that way. Come on, come on. You can just remember that I died for you. I paid the price for you. The debt has been settled. It has all been finished. You don't have, no, you don't have to. You can embrace. Yes, it's an act of faith because you don't have any, any, any sense unless you depend on me that this is going to come through. But you can depend on me because I have accomplished it for you. I have accomplished it for you. Do you doubt God's love for you? Okay. Well, as we finish off, let's look at what the Word of God says about God's love for you. I've already mentioned that passage. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's what the word of God says about God's love for you. But you see, God's love is active. It is supernatural love that carries an action. I mean, think about it. What if God so loved the world, but he said, well, let's see how you manage to work it out. God so loved the world. Well, you know, from time to time, you might sleep up and, you know, you might make it. Well, I see, maybe this or that might happen. No, God so loved the world, therefore he gave. And you see, this agape love always has sacrifice attached to it. This perfect love, this love that has an end, it always has sacrifice attached to it. You see, we can never truly love unless we're ready to sacrifice, to give, to let go. And also, it requires a response, a choice of the will. John 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. C.S. Lewis, the Christian author, said this, The Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Just as the roof of a sun house does not attract the sun because it is bright, it becomes bright because the sun shines on it. And so the greatest gift this world has ever known is the gift of love, that which causes fear to be driven away, that which 
pushes fear away from an evagon. That which stops us from believing anything other than we are 100% totally secure in God. You know, I find oftentimes when people isolate themselves in relationships, in, you know, engaging with others, it's because there is fear. I don't want that person to have the wrong perception of me. I don't want that person to think any less of me. I don't want that person to do this, that, and the other. Fear breeds insecurity, and insecurity will affect our capacity to have healthy relationships. But you see, perfect love says, no matter what people say about you, it is what God says about you that matters. Because people will say stuff about you. People will say stuff about you that you haven't even heard yet. Because it's in the future. And so don't worry about what people are going to see and decide to have your relationships not based on what you perceive, not based on a fear. And you might not define it as fear. You might just define it as I'm keeping myself to myself. God did not forge us or form us to actually be individuals. We are built for relationship. That's why in that same passage that speaks about perfect love at the beginning of it, the Bible talks about this is how it's demonstrated if you have love for one another. Responding to one another, engaging with one another, allowing our thinking and our perception to be shaped by the assurance that nothing can change God's perspective of us. And his perspective of us is that because I love you, not only have I died for you on the cross and given you the opportunity to have your home with me eternally, but I'm also going to, whilst you're on this earth, shape you to be an ambassador of mine, somebody who carries kingdom culture, kingdom thinking, kingdom mindset, knows that they're secure in me and therefore can demonstrate that love to others and bring the grace and the love of God into their lives. Prayer for us today, even as we close, is that we'll move out of a place of insecurity, of doubting, of fearing, because we're truly assured that God's love has been perfected in us. There is no longer any punishment that is due to us. It is done, it is settled. We are secure. Nothing can separate us from that love. So we can go forth and continue to be ambassadors for him in this world. In Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you reminded us today that the goal of your love is that we would become missional. To know you and to make you known. Father, I pray that no person under the sound of my voice will have any perception of God as a judge who's harsh, a judge who's condemning, a judge who brings punishment. But that, Father, they will know you as a, a God who loves, a God who forgives. Yes, you discipline, but it's because you love. And so, Lord, I pray whatever imagery we carry in our mind, that that imagery will be changed, it will be dealt with today. That, Lord, you will change our thinking, our perception. That as we embrace that perfect love, 
every fear, the 7,000 plus of them will be cast out from our lives and that we will embrace your love in our lives and through that make you known to others in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.